Would you open God's precious holy word to Numbers chapter 10? The final preparations and then the trip to Canaan will begin. A little more than 11 months, they've been out of Egypt and had come to Sinai. And all of the events had happened from, we've studied those events from Exodus and Leviticus and what we've studied so far in Numbers. So they're about ready to make their trip. It's only going to take 11 days to get to Canaan from where they are. So that's encouraging, right? 11 days. We move then into this part of Numbers and we have the account of the silver trumpets. Yahweh spoke to Moses saying, make yourself two silver trumpets. Now this has to do, the the priests are supposed to take care of blowing these trumpets. And these are not, these are not worship backup music, musical instruments. These are, these are trumpets for announcement. The instructions are given here. You shall make them from a beaten form. They shall be used by you to summon the congregation and to announce the departure of the camps. When they blow on them, the entire congregation shall assemble to you at the entrance to the tent of meeting. If they blow one of the trumpets, the princes, the leaders of Israel's thousands shall convene to you. When you blow Teruah, that is a series of short blasts, the camps which are encamped to the east shall move, shall travel. When you blow a second Teruah, the camps encamped to the south shall travel. They shall blow a Teruah for traveling, which means a series of short blasts. So the instructions were when they blow Two trumpets, the entire congregation shall come together. When they blow one trumpet, the leaders of the tribes of Israel will come together for convening in a meeting. Short blasts, let's go. A second short blast to the other group of the mass, the the, the masses of the camp that are here. But when assembling the congregation, you shall blow a tekiah, that is one long blast, but not a taruah. There will be a test at the end of the class. <laughs> the descendants of Aaron, the priests, shall blow the trumpets. This shall be an eternal statute for, their gener- for your generations. So the high priest, the priests of the high priesthood, the sons of Aaron, are responsible for blowing the trumpets when it comes time for these assemblies. One kind of blast from two trumpets is a a meeting. One trumpet is a kind of a meeting. Short blasts, uh, getting the move ready to go. So there were instructions 
about what the sound, the sounds from the trumpets meant to the congregation. Moses would be there. His, of course, his, his family, his tribe was there next to the tabernacle. And um, Yahweh would speak to Moses. Moses would speak to Aaron. And the priests would blow the trumpets. So things are getting ready now to move. If you go to war in your land against an adversary who oppresses you, you shall blow a taruah with the trumpets and be remembered before the Lord your God and thus be saved from your enemies on the days of your rejoicing, on your festivals and on your new moon celebrations. You shall blow on the trumpets for your ascent offerings and your peace offerings and it shall be a remembrance before uh, your Lord God, your God, I'm sorry, your God. And I am Yahweh, your God. Everything's ready. All of the details, this has taken quite some time to get everything organized. So they have an army and they're ready to fight. They have a priesthood and the, and the Levites and so they're ready to worship. They are ready with the word of God to learn the word of God, to study the word of God, to obey the word of God. And every detail has been taken care of and it has come straight from heaven through Moses. So there's no misunderstanding about who does what and how we do what we're going to do. This is how we're organized. This is how we're going to march. This is how we fight. This is how we worship. And this is how we move. The cloud, the pillar of fire will raise up. And when that happens, of course, the ones who would see it first, Moses and the priests and the priests would make their blasts if it's time to meet with the leadership of the tribes, Moses would call the leadership a certain kind of blast from the trumpet and so forth. So the instructions are given and it seems like everything should be in place, right? It seems like everybody should be happy and nobody should be unhappy because this is straight from Yahweh. This is, this is not a suggestion, a series of suggestions from Moses. This came directly from Yahweh. And we've already seen in Exodus, for example, how Yahweh has made the people understand that Moses is his servant. This is the ministry of Moses in the Bible. Moses had a particular thing to do. In his life, he was peculiarly prepared for this particular service to Yahweh and the people of God. You won't find others in the rest of the Bible who were prepared in such a way. John the Baptist had his particular service, his particular ministry. And you can go through all the way and you can see that in their time, in their generation, they had a specific thing. Yahweh had separated them. Yahweh had gifted and resourced them, prepared them. Thus it is with Moses and the people are supposed to understand that. I make that point because by the t we're in chapter 10. By the time we get to chapter 11, trouble sets in. Okay, so the silver trumpets. Now, they make their departure after nearly a year at Sinai. All the things that have happened, given, given the law, 
uh, the troubles they went through with the golden calf and all that stuff. Moses bringing the Ten Commandments and then Moses receiving the other uh, details of the law, the outfittings of the tabernacle, the structure of the tabernacle, on and on, and the building of it, the gathering of the material, and then the building of it. And then the, the uh, organization for the people uh, to go to war and to worship. All these details are taken care of. Nothing is left. So they make their departure from Sinai, and they should be 11 days from Canaan. 11 days. This is how close they should be. 11 days. On the 20th of the second month in the second year, cloud rose up from over the tabernacle of the testimony. The sons of Israel traveled on their journeys from the Sinai desert and cloud settled in the desert of Paran. This was the first journey by the hand of Yahweh through Moses. Everything seems to be going okay. The banner of the camp of Judah's children traveled first according to their legions. Heading the legion was Nashon, the son of Amenadab. Heading the legion of the tribe of the children of the sons of Issachar uh, was Natanel. Natanel. Netanel, the son of Zuar. Heading the legion of the tribe of the children of Zebulun was Eliab, the son of Helen. The tabernacle was dismantled. The sons of Gershon set out together with the sons of Merari who carried the tabernacle. Then the banner of the camp of Reuben set out according to their legions. Heading its legion was Elitzur, the son of Shadur. Heading the legion of the tribe of the sons of Simeon was Shalumiel, the son of Zorishadai. Heading the legion of the tribe of the sons of Gad was Eliasaph, the son of Duel. The Korathites who carried the holy equipment set out and they had erected the tabernacle before they had arrived. Then the banner of the camp of Ephraim set out according to its legions. Heading its legion was Elishamah, the son of Amahud. Heading the legion of the tribe of the sons of Manasseh was Gamliel, the son of Padassur. Heading the legion of the tribe of the sons of Benjamin was Abaddon, the son of Gadoni. The banner of the camp of Dan set out the collector for all the other camps according to its legions. Heading its legion was Achiezer, the son of Amishadai, heading the legion of the tribe of the sons of Asher, was Pagiel, the son of Akran, heading the legion of the tribe of the sons of Naphtali, was Ahira, the son of Enon. These are the travels of the sons of Israel according to their legions, and then they traveled. In every way they were organized, in the way they would depart, they were organized. In the way, of course, the centerpiece of the whole thing was the tabernacle. In the way that the tabernacle was dismantled and carried was organized. The instructions from Yahweh were clear. The responsibilities of the various groups, clear. Clearly made to the people. So each had his tribe and its tribe was positioned according to the instructions of Yahweh through Moses. 
three, three and three of the tribes and they moved in that fashion with the tabernacle in the middle, the presence of Yahweh in the cloud or the fire moved ahead of them and would signify when the time to stop and rest would come. Very simple instructions. Follow the cloud and listen to the trumpets and when you hear the trumpets do, do accordingly. Everything will be okay, 11 days. It's an 11 day trip to Canaan. Of course, what's going to happen is that the ideas of man are going to be inserted into the instructions of Yahweh. And then the emotions of, of, of the flesh will begin to struggle against the faith and obedience that the people are supposed to have in Yahweh. Of course, we know that 11 days turns into 40 years because the people assert themselves into the beautiful and plain instructions that Yahweh has given to them. They murmur, they complain, they don't like it. Yahweh says we're supposed to be this way. They don't like it that way. We're supposed to move in this fashion. They don't like that. Just have faith. When, when you need something, Yahweh will provide it. But they complained anyway. They murmured, murmured anyway. This goes on for the next 40 years. But as for now, everything seems okay. They're moving according to their legions. Exactly as Yahweh had spoken to Moses, this is how it's announced to the people. And all they have to do is follow the cloud or the pillar of fire, which whether day or night. All they had to do was follow it. That seems pretty simple. Just keep your mouth shut, do what you're told, have faith in Yahweh. You'll be fed, you'll be strengthened. As it turns out, your clothes won't wear out. Everything will be all right. There'll come a time when you'll wake up and you'll find your food laying on the ground. You know all, and if you want water, water will come out of a rock and that stream will follow you all the way to Canaan. Just believe in Yahweh. Yahweh is already in Canaan making the preparation for you. See, the beautiful thing of this is Canaan, to study the history books and you have to look at some some extra biblical historical works of the time, Canaan was the most plush land in the known world. It had everything. And they're going to acknowledge that. We're going to see in a couple of chapters. It had everything. The, the grapes, the clusters, the huge, the, the pomegranates, the, the land flowing with milk and honey, which, which meant that it was a very productive land and the, the blossoming of the, of the fields and the, then the production of, uh, of the grains and so forth, all of this had seen in how there were so many uh, bees that were, uh, had, had all these flowering plants and blossoms uh, that uh, caused them to create the honey. Uh, as a beautiful thing. It was plush. It, was, it had fresh water everywhere. There wasn't a place like it in the world. This is God's 
land for his people. This is the promised land. It was all there. It was ready for them. And you know what happens. Uh, They took their eyes off God. But for now, they're headed that way. Ought to be just 11 days away. Moses had a brother-in-law, Hobab. And his story is inserted here briefly. Moses said to Hobab, the son of Ruel, the Midianite, Moses' father-in-law. And of course, by this time, Moses' father-in-law was, I'm sure, had passed away. We're traveling to the place about which Yahweh said, I will give it to you. Yahweh told us he would give it to us. Come with us and we will be good to you. For Yahweh has spoken of good fortune, of good things, of good blessings for Israel. So this is, this is a man, Moses, whose heart is filled with faith and he wants his wife's family to travel with them and be a part of who they are. But he said to him, I won't go for I will go to my land and my birthplace. And he said, please don't leave us for because you are familiar with our encampments in the desert and you will be our guide. And if you go with us, then we will bestow on you the good which Yahweh grants us. That's a strange thing for Moses to say, knowing that Yahweh has already promised and has provided uh, the cloud for them to follow. But there would have been details and there would have been certain things that perhaps he would have been helpful. But it it reveals Moses' heart. He, in his years of living with that family before he came back to Egypt, Moses had become very close to those people. And he doesn't, obviously, doesn't want to lose them. He has full faith in the promises of Yahweh for the people of Israel. And regarding that faith... He's trying to get that part, his wife's family, to join them and to enjoy those blessings. But he won't do it. He wants to go back to the land of his birthplace. If you go with us, you will enjoy the same good blessings that we will enjoy. But he won't do it. Well, this answers the question, you know, what happened to that side of of Moses' family when they go and make their way to Canaan because because, uh, Moses is not, he, he won't go back to Midian. He's destined in his heart for the land of Canaan. So it's a detail that the Lord gives to us that's interesting. And it's a side of Moses that's interesting as well. But now here is the account of the ark at the head of everything. They traveled a distance of three days from the mountain of Yahweh. And the ark of Yahweh's covenant traveled three days ahead of them to seek for them a place to settle. So they're, you know, they're, they're heading on not many days now. The cloud of Yahweh was above them by day when they traveled from the camp. So it was whenever the ark set out, Moses would say, Arise, Yahweh, may your enemies be scattered and may those who hate you flee from you. And when he came to rest, 
he would say, re, re, uh, repose, Yahweh, among the myriads of thousands of Israel. So there's a, there's a development in the faith and doctrinal persuasion of Moses with regard to Yahweh. And, Moses, and it is revealed and taught to the people of Israel. Yahweh will care for us. Yahweh will protect us from our enemies. Yahweh not only will protect us from our enemies, but he will fellowship with us and he will settle in with us and we can rest in Yahweh. This is a little bit of a, of a sidebar to the doctrine of the Sabbath, which is to rest in Yahweh. The beautiful thing here is they rest in Yahweh who comes to rest with them when, they're, when, they're, when Yahweh is ready for them to stop traveling and take a little break and he rests with them. So it's a beautiful thought for the people of God to know that God has absolutely taken care of everything. There's not a detail of the work that Yahweh has not instructed uh, regarding those details. Yahweh gave the instructions. Yahweh has performed, perform, uh, appointed the leadership. Yahweh himself has assumed the responsibility of guiding them. Yahweh has assumed the responsibility of organizing them, of uh, making them ready for whatever conflict they may face as warriors and for giving them the strength of worship when the time comes and they worship. And these were a worshiping people. They, they at least for the near time, had learned a great lesson with regard to the golden calf. And so they are, for the most part, keenly aware of sin. But what about faith? What about absolute trust in, uh, in Yahweh? The Bible, replete with instructions on trusting God. Have faith in God. Believe God. Obey God. He'll take care of it. God does all the stuff and he gives us the blessings. We are more than conquerors in Christ. He's gone ahead of us. He's fought the, the fight. He's provided for us. He's given everything to us. This is the way it is. It's illustrated here in, uh, in the rising up and the reposing of Yahweh in the midst of, of his people. Well, we're going to stop here because this brings us to a, to a significant transition in their, in their journey because they're about to be bad boys and girls uh, and it interferes with everything and we have more and more lessons to learn as we get into the rest of the book of Numbers. But for now, let's be dismissed. All right, Father God in heaven. Thank you for the instructions that you've left with us and that you've given to us in your word. 
Help us and bless us to have complete faith in you, in everything. In Jesus' name, amen.